0: Episode of Lunch with Tech Leaders. My name is Adam Oberhausen, and I'm the director of cloud architecture with Right Brain Networks, and I'm your host for today. Joining me today, as always, is software and data consultant Tom Kowalski. Say hi, Tom. Hello. And rounding out the the, our co-hosts, I've got Joe Coleman. What's up, Joe?
2: Hey there, Adam, thanks for the lovely intro. Just want to throw it in real quick that I'll be refereeing today's uh, podcast here. So if you folks listening along or in the chat have any questions whatsoever, go ahead and throw them in the chat there and I'll make sure to get them um, right there, front and center in the discussion. So thanks so much.
0: Thank you. So in this episode, we're gonna be talking about ChatGPT and the future of AI. We've got a lot to cover today, so grab your lunch and buckle up. Tom, let's just get right to the intros, because we got a lot to talk about.
2: Yeah, yeah, this is uh, exciting. It's a time to be alive. Um, So yeah, today with us, we have Shafiq Amin. Do you want to introduce yourself?
3: Oh, hello. Uh, I'm Shafiq Amin, VP of Technology at LoadSmart, really previously OpenDoc, and it was acquired by LoadSmart. We do kind of appointment scheduling in the cloud. but I've been kind of a techie guy since I was a teenager, you know, like most of you probably. You know, 15 years old, got my first modem and internet connection, dial-up, and you know, I was hooked ever since. So, I've just been recently kind of obsessed with uh, AI, machine learning. I've been taking courses and uh, I have a little bit of uh, opinions on the matter. So here we are.
2: All right. Great
1: to have you so, speak.
3: Yeah.
2: Excited to have you here, and then also joining us is Lancelot Carlson. If you wanna introduce yourself,
1: yeah, I've uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I'm a, an entrepreneur, uh, programmer, and programmer for a very long time. Um, so I've definitely messed with TensorFlow and and dug into machine learning um, throughout my career. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm an expert at machine learning, but I, I've definitely Done more than most people, I think. <laughs> um, and I've, I when when I see APIs that come out, I, I usually explore them to their uh, limit to understand them. Um, and I did that with OpenAI. Um, so I, I know the limitations of OpenAI pretty intimately. Um, and uh, you know, i I've been working with it uh, at at my work and other projects that I'm thinking about starting. So. Um, I, I definitely have some background in it.
0: Awesome. Um, yeah. So, Tom, this week's history lesson AI traces back to the 1950s, right? When the field of artificial intelligence was first established. Um, it's gone through several phases. There's a period of time where it was called the AI winter from the 70s to the 80s, where there was like, you know, AI interest in AI kind of dwindled down to almost nothing. Um, but then in recent years, because of uh, the advances in machine learning and data processing, um, you know AI is like back right in a big way. Um, so you know OpenAI founded in 2015, um, and this you know led to the ChatGPT. So that's kind of like just my my real brief history lesson there. Um, I think you know I'll just open it up with like when I started, I heard about ChatGPT chat gpt in the news i was interested in it i've heard of, i've heard of other bots in the past but I, for some reason i never really tried them but then when i when i logged into OpenAI and tried this thing for the first time like i thought it was like magic like i just can't i can't believe how awesome this thing is so yeah i'll just kick it off with that and i'm just happy to like let's just open it up and see what people want to talk about
2: yeah i'd love to hear what uh well you know last letter shafiq what are you uh what are your thoughts with it?
3: Yeah, I mean, you're not alone. There's like hundreds of millions of users, I think, now. They've hit 100 million. Uh, it's pretty magical in some in some deep sense. You know, again, you guys probably have seen chatbots. I mean, we've been playing with them forever. But they never quite had that feeling of, you know, there's something there. You can always kind of game it to tell, say something stupid. Or, you know, it has, you can reach the limitations. You can explore the, the boundaries pretty quickly. And it's like, ah, that's boring. And you just log off. But this thing has a certain kind of reach that's uh, beyond what you're used to. And that's really, really kind of it, it even th- even though it might be a quantitative kind of leap, it really is qualitative because of that. and And so people are obviously very interested
1: When searching for product market fit, um, there's you know, there's this feeling that you get when you see the user. Get it, and with OpenAI, uh, it was the first time that users understood it. And um, no matter what Google says, like that they invented whatever language model behind it, they were not the first people to get the language model to express the you know English language back to a person in a way that. The users get it; they get the utility, and so I think that that's where we're starting right now. Is that people are now starting to understand, and that's where the revolution is coming. Is that you know we can talk to this this thing and and ask it so many different. I have a really interesting example if you're curious, but yeah, um, <laughs> by all means, on Sunday, my father, uh, he, he's he's uh, he's spiritual. Uh he my grandmother passed away um uh about a year ago and uh he was feeling feelings and he decided to go to a psychic. Uh, it was something that um my grandmother and him did on a on a decent basis together. Um so like it's kind of cathartic and, and whatnot. But um so he went and uh <laughs> I've never been to a psychic so he had recorded it and it was really interesting to hear what a psychic sounded like and uh you know for him he was kind of you know he's he was he was convinced at some level you know some of this through his grief the guy was manipulating him um and uh it was funny because uh and it was actually straining the marriage because something was said in the session that was not great. So we get to save the day um, by explaining to him what a long language model is and how it works. That's this is kind of where I was coming through uh, to to try to convince him is that um, it's actually the so psychic is actually using some techniques that ChatGPT is using, and it'd be really interesting to to actually generate a psychic session in ChatGPT to see how closely it. It generates a conversation to the way that this guy is is trying to manipulate your mind because um, ChatGPT is using a completions API, and it's literally it's based on statistical modeling where you know if you provide the letter M, it'll try to give you the most statistically relevant letter after that. You expand that out to words, so and then sentences. You get context, and then so a psychic is kind of doing something similar where it's like. If you, you know, if you're more likely to be this, then I'm going to try to say a bunch of stuff and then go to the stuff that's most likely and then kind of get you down that path. And I, you know, you had to get past the ethical stuff with ChatGPT because you had to say, you know, tell me a story about a psychic as opposed to be a psychic, right? But it generated it. And oh my God, my dad's eyes like lit up and he was blown away because it generated a session similar in the beginning to what this guy was doing and attempting and and I don't know I I think that's just one example of the crazy things I've done with it so far but that was the latest like blow away thing so
2: yeah I've heard of a whole lot of uses that's that's the first one yeah, like, a,
3: uh, like, like a that, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's so not the, the first thing... in- industry that will be disrupted by by this uh, technology
0: so I don't know anything about AI or machine learning, really, other than kind of high level. So I researched for the show here, and it's like apparently the transformer architecture is a deep mm-hmm. learning model that was um, kind of the foundation of ChatGPT. So um, this transformation architecture, transformer architecture came out in 2017. And um, it's kind of touches on those things you just talked about, Lance, where it's like the the model, is based on the idea of self attention so when you when you give it inputs it's able to like look at each word you put into it and figure out what's the most important you know or how to like how to really understand the context of what you're asking it versus other models which is kind of like I don't know, I, Shafiq. Maybe you can speak on how this model is different than other models. Because I'm going to botch it, but you know, yeah, no, yeah. Do you have you looked at the transformer yeah. architecture and have an understanding of it? Can you explain yeah. it to a layperson?
3: I mean, I really don't understand it at, at a sophisticated enough level. There really is a lot of mystery in there. But um you know, I kind of skimmed that paper. If you've heard of the paper, "Attention is All You Need," that's the first paper that came out from Google, I believe. And it describes this you know, architecture, this little machine, really, uh, called the transformer that can, d- can do some cool things. Um, it's, it's an architecture that improves on previous uh, uh, architectures, like the recurrent neural network, that has essentially recursion, i.e., memory, to analyze relationships of inputs relative to each other. But that had some problems, and it was slow, and for reasons I don't quite understand, you know, it wasn't very feasible. Uh, so this transformer model really, it, it was kind of combined theory and engineering to make it plausible to have something that's performant enough that you can now run on our current hardware, and it will do some things like this. But yeah, that, the transformer does seem to be kind of a fundamental thing. It's this little abstraction. That it seems like it, you know, wasn't even. It wasn't even meant for this, perhaps. You know, it just kind of came came about, and it just happened to. You know, people discovered that it was more awesome than it was, perhaps, and it's now just being used in a lot of places. It's it's kind of a general purpose little uh, abstraction that you can plug into a lot of um, neural network models and have it do magical things. Um, it's, it is something where. It's kind of like the for loop or something, or the function abstraction. in everyday programming these days, we just take functions for, for granted. Seems like the transformer is going to be something like that, where it's a, just a standard abstraction a lot of machine learning models. Lance, I don't know if you have uh, more input here. I, I haven't really dug that deep into this.
1: No, I think that's I don't really have any input. Um... That
0: was a good summary. <laughs> yeah,
1: what's I what
0: what I learned about it was like it's like a unsupervised learning. So the model can like learn patterns without explicit supervision is what I I found. So it's all fascinating. Like I don't I still it still feels like magic to me. What did you have yeah. Tom?
2: I, so yeah, I'm by no means an expert. I've I've dabbled in this for for a while. I used to do um what's called neural style transfer. Uh, back in the day, right? Making pet pictures look like uh, Picasso, right? In the style of Picasso and things like that. But it took me days to do that. And it was expensive. What blows my mind today is I can just ask some of these, you know, um, more image uh, models to to do it almost instantly, right? Within a few seconds. Um, So yeah, that, like you were saying, right, where it's, it's incorporating what you put into the models that it already has. That that kind of blows my mind um, and how it does that. So, yeah. It's funny.
1: There's two limits on that that I found. One is getting it to, to to write text that you want it to write. Sometimes it writes like a gibberish, like kind of on a logo or something. And it's like, how do you get it to like, it doesn't let you just change the text. You have to use Photoshop mm. or something. To yeah. Back to it. And then the other th- funny thing I found was the six finger problem. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that? Where it's like, yeah, it, yeah. I don't know, for some reason AI thinks humans have six fingers on each hand, and it yep. just
0: <laughs> there's other subtle things where you'll see like there's the different the like the 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 fork on your glasses, like one side's different than the other, or like just strange things that like just don't quite match up with the we're talking about the the photo AI generators that right there at this point. So yeah, with um, the self
3: attention so... the self attention thing. It seems like. Uh, you know self attention means that you can have input tokens or words let's say relate to themselves and you can the the model can learn you know which the weights of which words relate to other words in the input and by how much and which ones are important again details i'm not you know i'm not quite sure about and I really do want to dig deeper into this, but it seems that, that seems to be the magic there—the self-attention thing. You can extract what's most important about an input sequence without having to pre-program that. And so that lets, lets essentially lets the model understand context well enough that it sounds you know that it feels like human-like, because humans can understand you know, from the context of the sentence. What words are are less important than others, and what you know which pronouns refer to what nouns, et cetera?
1: What I find interesting about what you said, too, is that um people get frustrated with chat Gpt sometimes um, w- when they don't give a good enough prompt, and prompt engineering is a whole thing it's a and it's it's very important uh, and i I liken it to when you're actually having a conversation with somebody like if you ask them a question and your question isn't good, it's too vague. Like, ChatGPT is going to do something similar. It's not going to be able to provide, if it doesn't have enough context, it's not going to be able to provide a great answer.
0: Um, That's and- great point, Lance. I'm glad you brought it up because, like, I use this thing every day. I love it. <laughs> um, and I found like I've developed the prompt skill to the point where I can. Um, yeah, sometimes I still give it like you know, a question that's not a thought that's not fully fleshed out and it doesn't give me what I want. And I know, okay, well, I have to go back to that prompt and like modify it so that the model understands what I'm asking, just like a real conversation. like I can't just throw out a couple words and expect you to give a coherent reply, right? So it is <laughs> it's a it's a new skill. And I think it's cool to see how to see my personal development in that skill,
2: yeah. i I like to think of it as, you know, in software development, a lot of it is how how good can you search Google, right? Like, how how good are your your search queries and, and prompts in there? And it's kind of evolving now to yeah, the the prompt engineering, right? What what do you feed the the AI to uh, to get back what, what you're looking for? And yeah,
1: I I use it for coding a lot too. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I love the. It's it's so weird, like I. I feel like I'm more creative now because I can explore things quicker and and I'm not stuck with just Google. I can search this thing too to think about more abstract concepts that I, you know, I'm trying to implement something and I there was just this one thing that I didn't think about uh the way to implement it and then I know I can go through a couple of suggestions and then suddenly it's like, "Oh yeah, this is this would be a great way to implement this." And then I you know, I don't feel like that's replacing me as a programmer. Like I feel like it's kind of a um, it's almost like a just a more advanced vehicle, you know, uh, going from a manual transmission to an automatic
0: transmission, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah an well, accel- it's an accelerator.
3: One of the best tweets I heard recently was the hottest new programming language these days is English. I, <laughs> I think I think that's what's happening. I mean, we've <laughs> we we just kept increasing the abstraction level of programming languages, right? From assembly, and now we're essentially at English. It's not perfect, obviously, but you can. You can sort of program in English, and the better you are, you, you can't get away from the fact that you need to express yourself clearly and, and, and accurately right, and precisely. That's never going to go away, but it gets easier and easier to use you know, something, and now the language is English. As a matter of fact, I saw some project, which is kind of mind-blowing but really cool concept. Um, some companies actually bootstrapped and trying to do a, uh, English as back-end, there's just an entire SaaS offering where you just, you know, essentially program backends APIs in English and they'll, they'll just spin up APIs for you automatically, which is pretty mind blowing, but it's based oh. all on this stuff.
1: That's pretty cool. I would imagine that they have to make sure that the temperature, like that would be one of the biggest things that I would want to make sure people understand is that there's a temperature component to the playground. If if, if people have played around with the playground, but you know, it, it defaults to 0.7. But for anything like business logic-y, I would want it to be temperature to be one, I would imagine. Like, Can
0: you elaborate on that? Well, what's you lost what's me, the temperature? What you, yeah, what's speak? the temperature? Some kind of business speak I don't know. I'm not familiar <laughs> with.
1: If if you go to the playground, uh, the, the, the openai.com, the beta.openai.com forward slash playground, if you've used that. Um,
0: oh, I
3: haven't. Okay.
1: Yeah. So like what I'm referring to is the temperature dial on that.
3: So and what does it is mean? that mean? Yeah. What does that input do? What does it's, the temperature it's, mean it's,
1: like, it's 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 allowing for uh, variance and randomness okay so i I have to imagine that like when you're doing business logic, you right. don't want it to be more it's kind of almost like a creative dial oh, okay yeah. okay, yeah make sure you give a consistent response one point seven you know vary it up a little bit but yeah
3: so you know it's I mean? kind of a determinism dial perhaps so you get yeah. to determinism. So I think there's
0: output. there's still a place in society for us engineers to cuz we still have to wire up the code to make it do things but like I mean for now for now like I'm just thinking yeah. like okay, you know I've got to drop Star Trek the next generation when you got the holodeck and you just go in there and you tell the computer what you want you know and, and it just creates yeah. any program any any you know any environment you want just through verbal commands and I just think like that's you know it's like we're we're definitely like moving in that direction so
3: yeah yeah, I mean, but how many programmers do you need? There is there is kind of a a real threat, I suppose. I mean, as as always, technology is always evolving, and you have to kind of adapt. There's no there's no escaping that either. But it it could be that you just need fewer and fewer programmers, and that could be a reality that's somewhat difficult for society to adapt to. I'm not sure how that how that will shake out, but it is it is a serious concern. I can see. I mean, because you know, a few days ago, I I I, I gave. ChatGPT code from work and I said, you know, review this code. And you know, I it did, did a PR review and it was almost flawless. And usually that's something I would I would do with with, you know, like a coworker or something. That's that is replacing some human labor there.
0: How they many know, How real. how big was the, the the block of code you had it look at? Just curious. Not very big.
3: Yeah, a couple yeah. hundred lines of code, but it, I mean that's... it was it was almost perfect. I, I would I would just accept it as is, you know, if it was, hmm. came from a coworker. So that's that is concerning people, you know, again, not just programmers, artists everywhere, you know. If you want a logo these days, you can get it in five seconds and it's decent. Maybe it's not perfect, but you know, you no longer have to commission an artist to do this and on and on. And and you know, music is, is I'm sure now can be auto generated to, to kind of exquisite levels of quality, et cetera. So you uh, brought up
2: something Pretty interesting that I've heard uh, in the in the chats and the, the twitters um, of pasting code into it and asking, are there any concerns of you know like sharing IP from you know the, the code that you're writing and and, and right. what you're working on and yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I mean, so that's a that's kind of a corporate issue, um, you know. Uh, if you've heard of the, the what was it, the copilot? Copilot plugin from Microsoft, uh, VS Code. So that's that's potentially you know uh, sharing code in a way that's maybe you know gray area in legality. It's not clear in terms of licenses and whatnot because you're copy-pasting other people's codes in snippets, perhaps. Uh, so you know our company, for example, Oatsmart decided you know no Copilot for, as, as a policy. And you know it, it feels weird because that's kind of a it might become a handicap at some point to say that but for right now you don't want to touch the the legal issues. So yeah, there's implications like that. Uh, I'm not sure what that means, but uh, that's going to disrupt again a lot of stuff because uh, by definition you're training on the the free and open source code out there on the web. That's where a lot of the training data comes from. So if if there's some licensing attached to that, what what do you do with that? It's not clear.
0: Yeah. I think the AI is inevitable, right? I have heard of school districts already banning ChatGPT, which I find laughable. Like, okay, like, yeah, you might be able to ban it on your network at the school, but like, the kid's just going to go home and use it. So I think, you know, um, I'm actually kind of surprised that companies are already, you know, not allowing things like Copilot and ChatGPT to help assist with the workflow. I think there is something to be said about putting in your your code, your proprietary code into it, because who knows what they do with that? Does that then become part of the the model it learns on? Um, but I would think that most of the time, if you're just putting in like a snippet, like in not like the whole your whole IP of a project, right? Like it's just a, it's just just a snippet. So anyway, yeah. Real. In- yeah. What other ethical things are we concerned about with AI in general?
1: I, I actually think that the real sauce, the real Interesting. Maybe it's a threat to programmers, but when if you source the entire project uh, into, uh, you know, the AI, it'll have more context about like, is this a Ruby on Rails application? Is this right. MVC architecture? Is this a game? You know, and then it can really start to like, uh, just run and run an, an auto completion uh, API against that you know and then then you're really just speaking english in your comments or whatever and in maybe a high level way and then it's just then you get to like pick like okay well i want this and this and this and it kind of helps you with the decisions as you go along and you can just auto generate an, an entire project
2: yes some of the things that i've i've been seeing is it's a different different licensing models depending on how much you pay right these free ones yeah anything you put in there is belongs to us and we can use yeah. it uh, and then some of you know more expensive licensing models is okay, you, you own what you have and we can separate it. So I, I feel like that's where kind of the uh, things are going with that.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean they do say, you know, disclaimer, don't put anything sensitive into chat GPT. <laughs> they have that warning when you sign up.
0: Yeah. I mean it's everything's
3: fair game and you know, they're they're using it for retraining. It's pretty obvious, you know, there's reinforcement, there's human reinforcement learning happening here in the loop. You can thumbs up, thumbs down responses and that all feeds back into the model make it better. I mean, oh, it? it's,
2: it's a little different, but I feel like it does relate back to, to searching, right? If you're putting any data you're putting in there, right, you know, searching at Google, Google owns it. Uh, there's there's different, right. um, you know, caveats to that. But it's, you know, it's that same idea. You're giving in the, your data, uh, you know, that you're putting into a search on. It allows you to put a little a bit more data in now with the prompt engineering. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like it's the same legal battle, the same you know data privacy, uh, just a, you know an evolution of it.
0: Yep. So uh, when they make the API available, um, which I think it's in beta now, like so right now, like the 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 ChatGPT doesn't really have it's just like you know doesn't really have a personality. Are people gonna like tweak? when it becomes an open api are they going to like make it like a bot that is like you know have personalities or like what do they do like what how are you going to commercialize this thing beyond um like generic yeah. chat gpt prompts like can i make a, a, a bot that like you know only is like specialized in like making cocktails or something and has a sassy attitude like is that is that a product yeah. someone's going to offer
3: that yeah Lance, be i'm today. curious about yeah, I'm uh, curious about what you've played with, but yeah, there is a there is an API today which is the fine tuning. So you can you can fine tune a specific model from OpenAI. So you could take their like the Vinci model, which is I think what GPT is based on. I'm not sure, but yeah. it's their latest uh, language model, and you can fine tune it with your own data.
0: I think that's when you get into the ethical stuff of like these bots could be programmed to manipulate us like a fortune teller or something. Like, like, sure. What's what's your take on that?
1: The fine tunings API is not the route I would go. Um, okay, there's, interesting. There, there's an embeddings API. Um, okay. And uh, the fine tunings is more for like making the thing itself behave differently. So if you're trying to create chat GPT model DaVinci 004, um, you would use the fine tunings. So it's, it's actually okay. weird that it exists, because I think they might deprecate it from people's general use case, because it's confusing. But it's the embeddings API. That if you're trying to put more uh, data context and more data into it, um, so so data context being like you know uh, some character that understands a longer context of what you're talking about, and then lo- you know larger amounts of data, like maybe you want to put your whole knowledge base behind it, um, you would use the embeddings API. You pull out a vector, you store that in a vector database, and then. Uh, you search against that vector database. When the the vector that's most closely related to the context that you're wanting comes out, you push that data back into uh, the prompt, and then then you got what you want. And then you can start to build personalities and stuff. Um, interesting. What's interesting yeah. too is that there's a difference between that and your own private like uh, information. And then there's also um, You can actually create characters today uh, with the prompt. You know, uh, you've done this
0: before, right? Where you just give me a pirate voice or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's pretty amazing what you can do already without having to do that. So if you go to character.ai, they have a bunch of examples that are fun.
3: Hmm. That's cool. So yeah, so if I understand you correctly, Lance, it, it seems like fine tuning is to actually change the model. You're retraining the model itself, but embeddings is really just la- loading more data context. Exactly.
1: You, okay. it, you and you want it's. Um, if you play with the fine tunings API, it's uh, at least for me, it was a waste of time for what okay. I was. For, if we're know. trying to create like a person, like yeah. if you're if you're wanting to create a bot. The embeddings yeah. API is more. It's you're almost recreating Watson. You know, it's like you know, what's the most uh, relevant uh, thing that I should pull from the data set of knowledge that I want, as opposed to like I'm just and putting my giant thing into those fine tunings and fine tuning it.
3: Cool. Good to know. Yeah.
0: Well, we're getting close to time, Tom. You got any last uh, questions you want to bring up before I, yeah, I, before I send us I... off? Well, I
2: think we should talk about what are the, like the fun things. What are what are people doing with this? I know we kind of did some high level and you know programming, but what? Uh, so I'm interviewing right now in my career, and I, I've never actively searched for you know another opportunity, and it's been very helpful in asking interview questions and. You know, they want you to respond using like the STAR methodology. So, you know, I'm relating my experiences to how you know it, it would model it in a STAR response, and it, it's been great. You know, and the different questions. How how else have you all been using it, and what uh what some things you haven't thought of? You
0: know, I've promoted this many times, but I actually use it a lot to pre- prepare for the show. Right, help me get an itinerary for a podcast, give me some talking points. Um conversation starters it's just like a great way to kind of generate some some uh research for the sh- for the podcast here you know something that was normally taking me anywhere from a half day to a day to prepare like i can i can probably do in like you know under an hour or two now um with some with you know depending on how much time i want to spend on getting ready for the show but i think it's really cool and it's fun
3: yeah i mean i have a, i have a chat gpt tab open at all times so i'm just <laughs> using it for whatever i'm i'm working at the moment one cool thing is like uh you know, proofreading code, that's really been a thing for my for my machine learning homework. You know, a lot of times you feed it to the grader or whatever, and the error messages you get back are, are awful. You, you know, there's somewhere deep in the stack, you don't understand what's going on. Copy paste the code, put it in chat GPT. Hey, what's wrong with this code? And it'll like, say, Oh, you you know, you missed this or that, or it'll be better if you change this to this. And it's usually right, not all the time. So the code review is a is a big one that I really enjoy. Another one is uh, summarizing books. You could just say, give me a summary. Mm-hmm. Give me a three hundred word summary of XYZ book, and it's basically perfect. <laughs> you, you really can't That's do much more that. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: that. The other thing yeah. I'm doing, Tom, is uh, like using it to help me with like LinkedIn posts for you know for my professional network, like trying to get some meaningful content. And it's just like oh. it's an idea accelerator, right? Instead of like kind of banging my head on a notepad trying to figure out what to type i just like you know can put in some general ideas and say you know help me write a linkedin post that talks about AWS tagging for example right and it just kind of gives you some stuff to start right it gets you like 70 percent of the way there and then you just got to kind of finish it off how about you lance anything anything fun you're doing with it
1: it's funny uh a couple of things you don't want to do right now is math uh just it's right now it's They've released some updates where they claim that math is good, but I, I was giving it some basic logic problems and it was just like not giving the right answer. Um <laughs> so avoid math for now. Uh and uh well one of my favorite things that I found was besides the psychic thing, uh, was the um I was my wife and i were wanting to watch uh, a a star trek tng episode you know we were just feeling that you know we've seen every episode but um you know so i just basically instead i had it generate a tng episode for me and it came out and it was like it was it blew me away how good it was and it actually like fulfilled the same urge the need and I, I was able to finish it in a lot less of the time so it's like a time saver because I don't have to watch shows anymore I can just generate a new episode you know it's like just tack it on to the end of the season.
0: You, <laughs> well, did, did you and your wife do like a table read like you were Picard yeah. <laughs> and she was she was Riker? <laughs> <weaker. laughs> I need a That's war. Give me a
2: call. like the Seinfeld. Uh, the, yeah I mean, show about nothing yeah where it's you know constantly 24 7 generating you know like it's an episode of seinfeld constantly going which yeah it's- i
0: heard it went it went naughty though because it, they had to like did. they ran out I of api known. calls and so they hmm. had to switch the ai model and then it went it went down a dark path ah that's like
2: uh <laughs> microsoft when they released theirs what was it yeah. uh, Tina know or something like that
0: yeah
2: yeah yeah that got bad
0: yeah um so yeah all right. Well, thanks everyone. I wanted to uh, thank the guests for showing up. Great conversation. I think we're going to have uh, more talks about ChatGPT and AI. I think it's a really engaging topic. We are like on the cusp of um, just like a, a paradigm shift. I think I'm. I've never been so excited about a new piece of technology in my life. So we're definitely going to talk more about this. I want to thank Shafiq, Shake. Uh, thank Lancelot, uh, Tom, Joe, everyone in the audience for for sitting in. And uh, we'd love to have you join us us next week, uh, where we're going to be talking about uh, the ins and outs of using feature flags. So as always, uh, we'll have some expert guests, and uh, hope you guys come check it out. So lunch is over. Let's get back to work.
2: Back to work. Thank you.